so it's been about a year. Actually, uh, yesterday was our the last time the church met in person yep. anniversary. Mm-hmm. So what do you miss most? I'm going to take these one at a time. So what do you miss most about pre-pandemic life? I think the option to get out, even whether I did or not, right? You didn't have <laughs> the, the, and I should be more specific. I'm, I miss not having to think so much about going out, mm. right? Yeah. Like prepping with it's the It's like mask, when your babies are little and you have to pack the diaper bag oh, and God, all this, yes, right? Exactly. And then like right. the day they're potty trained, you're like, oh my God, I'm free. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome to episode 190 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint of fine wine or whatever happens to be in your glass. You can catch new episodes weekly as the Reverends Brian Burkoff, Shannon Weston, and Ogan Holder address and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand. And that good brew might be in one of these Pub Theology Live pint glasses, the only glass that is currently not in a box in my in my Your apartment. <laughs> yeah, it's being packed up. The only one left out. Help us provide food and meals for struggling families while we continue with this pandemic. Donate $25 or more to nokidhungry.org. DM us with proof of your donation and we will send you one of these absolutely free. That's $25 or more to nokidhungry.org for one of these gorgeous Pub Theology Live pint tumblers. This week we're going to be talking about the time change, the year anniversary of the pandemic and or the shutdown at least, and biblical scholarship and women in ministry. So what are we drinking? Brian, what are you drinking today? Well, last week I had the No Problems IPA. This week I've got the 98 Problems IPA. Uh, so they have a series, uh, Parent Brewing here in Michigan. And so if I don't drink it before next week, next week I'll drink the Lots of Problems IPA. <laughs> and so of whatever course, the 99 problems, but the blank ain't one, like became the you, problem, right? You beat, so now you, you got 98 You beat problems. me to it. You beat me to it. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Let, let me read the description on the back. Our IPA balances a sweet malty backbone along with a blend of West Coast hops. This is how an IPA should taste. Well, then keep it over there. <laughs> there you go. Ogan, what are you drinking? I got me the Sad Panda Coffee Stout uh, from a uh, oh, Sad Panda. Sad Panda. It's been it's been an emotional weekend. I'll talk about that later. All right. But anyway, prominent vanilla and chocolate aromas balanced by wafts of malt sweetness and caramel. Well, in honor of um, it almost being spring, our warmest day of the year here, and in uh, it being Women's History Month, I am drinking Mountain Girl Hefeweizen, which has the most beautiful beer can I've ever seen in my life. Um, It is uh, Union Brewing and Charm City Bluegrass Festival. And the last two years, they produced this beer and the Charm City Bluegrass Festival, which usually happens on my birthday weekend, can't happen because pandemic. Um, and I just 
drink it in honor of that. It's also yeah. the best Hefeweizen I've ever had. Oh, and when but it's warm, those are like, oh, it's so good. So good. They're dangerously good. Let me put it that way. Like they are dangerously good. Like did it come, did the can come colored like that or is it blank and you got to color it? In? No, it comes colored like that. Oh, you your color, your coloring app could have, you would have been ready. I would have been ready. I do love my coloring app. I really do. Um, so in advance of this coming week time change, do you prefer daylight in the morning or the evening? Wait, when's that happening? Is that this weekend? That's Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. Saturday, Sunday. By the way, I usually hate it, but because I don't have anything to do on Sunday, I really don't care. (laughs) Oh, lucky you. This would be a great week for me to pre-record, Brian. Get on it. It would, Brian. (laughs) It would be be a great week to pre-record. So I think, well, no surprise, I'm not a morning person, so I prefer more daylight in the evening. So I'm a fan of getting on the other side of this time change as much as I don't like it when it happens. I'm so there. That's exactly right. Right? Same. Because it's yeah. like sunshine, don't bother me. It's, you know, I'm not ready to wake up, you know? So and then it, yeah. We have this little window on the opposite wall, like where our bed is. So it, the window shines onto the bed. <sighs> and right now, it, the light hits it like right at seven. Like that's when the like yeah. sun beams right into my eyes. And I am like, Next week, it'll do that at eight and that'll be perfect because I get up at 8.15. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's just once the evenings get longer with more daylight, it's just Mm. a wonderful thing. And I can be outside longer and it's. I used to be able to sleep through the, the, the morning light, the dawn, you know, the waking. Mm -hmm. I used to be able to sleep through that. And then I turned 40. Yeah. Something happened and all of a sudden it's like sun's up, I am up too. Wow. Um, I, that I've is to so not my sleep, reality. Sleep mask, dark curtains, all that sort of stuff. Really? Um oh yeah, if I wanna if I want to sleep in, I have to I have to put the sleep mask on. And I'm in I'm in a loft right now that's got these like, I don't know, the windows are like six feet high. It's yeah. like real yeah, uh, you know, sunlight coming in. So so if I know that, you know, I'm up late for some reason and I want a good hour, good eight hours, I got to put the sleep mask on. Otherwise, for some reason, I'm still getting up. I just, so when I lived in New York, the days were very, very long, right? So like this in the summer, the sun would come up at like 4 a.m. And I was like, this is horrible. I hate all of this. So we actually had blackout shades and stuff. Yes. But um, my friend, well, our friend, you know, all of our collective friend, uh, Carol Howard Merritt just said she got blackout curtains for her bedroom. She said she sleeps two more hours a night. Yep. And I was like, that was, so our neighbor has this bright light and I hate it because I love to sleep in like pitch black, but I do like waking up to the sunlight. So there's this balance you've got to create, right. you know, in your room yes. or whatever. Yep. So it's been I thought about. You guys were gonna okay. accidentally throw some rocks at your neighbor's light, didn't I hear about that? Oh, last that's right. There? We talked about that yeah. when you were here. Well, you and it did. didn't happen. <laughs> Wait, what was this? So, um, Ogan came to visit outdoor last year, social distance, uh, one of his visits down here. Yeah, and I was complaining about. <laughs> the neighbor's light that shines into our bedroom I got we you. were we they were out of town so we were trying to decide if they had like outdoor cameras up so i could go and like unscrew the light bulbs just a little so that the, they wouldn't work anymore and it anyway because that'd be more subtle than throwing a rock at it exactly like you know accidents and, but, happen 
But then there was this whole like, well, what if they have outdoor security cameras and yeah. they watch us? And so can we like throw a Frisbee on the roofs to like pretend that we were going up there? You know, it was a whole <laughs> thing. It was like a whole. I love it. It was it was several drinks in conversation. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so let's switch gears very quickly. Um, so it's been about a year. Actually, uh, yesterday was our the last time the church met in person yep. anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you miss most? I'm going to take these one at a time. So what do you miss most about pre-pandemic life? I think the option to get out, even whether I did or not, right? You didn't have <laughs> the, the, and I should be more specific. I'm, I miss not having to think so much about going out. Mm. right yeah like prepping with it's the like mask, when your babies are little and you have to pack the diaper bag oh, and god, all this yes, right exactly and then like <laughs> right. the day they're potty trained you're like oh my god i'm free exactly <laughs> get and in the, the day you send go. them off to college you're you're freer right okay you're- <laughs> there's even that exactly <laughs> exactly but i think that's the thing i miss the most because you know mm. yes there were times during this where you know when it wasn't crazy crazy and restaurants had limited seating. You might still go out, you know, when it was still warm outdoors up here in New England, and I'd do that, you know. Yeah. But yeah. even when you're going, just going anywhere, if you know you want to keep yourself and others safe, there's a lot of forth. Do I have my masks? Am mm-hmm. I double masking? Do they have outdoor seating? What's yeah. the, are what's they the, wearing masks? Are, are they, they wearing, wearing masks? Right, exactly. Right. So the fact that that's the thing I miss, not having to think about all that. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I mean, again, this is about to change for me, but I miss just making plans with somebody and it just being easier, right? Like not having to worry about the weather, not having to worry about, um, you know, like what if you need, I mean, or even, I mean, let's just be honest. Like if I go to the grocery store, which I don't do very often because I order groceries (laughs) because I just decided to do that which I'm totally going to do post pandemic, right? but like, I love it. Um, but like, I have to pee and do I want to use a public restroom or not? Or how do I like, just, just, yes, just the simple, I think, but honestly, what I miss most, I miss not being afraid of every person in front of me. Mm. Like, I, and, and I say that, like, even when I trusted even if it's a friend, even if I trust them, even if I know they're being safe and they're at home, there was, there is this just fear that we might be giving it to each other and not knowing it. Yeah, there was a great article about how we Americans are doing pods wrong, right? Because we were like, I'm only seeing the five people in my COVID pod. Well, each of those five people got their own COVID pod. Right, right, right. So right. it's like we've, we've, You've eliminated the safety that creating these pods creates. We just feel like I got my five. Why can't I be in 10 pods, Ogan? Come on. Well, but you have to. (laughs) But you you are, Brian. That's that's why you really have to trust your pod, right? You have to trust those people to keep you safe and whatever. But no, I miss, I'm, I, I just don't want to be in fear. And and that's just not just of them, but of me. Like, I don't want to live in fear like that. Yeah. And And I I think I, I miss all those things you guys said. And I also miss when this wasn't like a political issue because <laughs> it didn't Oh my exist. God, right? Like now it's like you see people and they're not wearing their mask or they're not wearing it right or, yeah. or whatever, right? Or people are doing activities that you right. think mm, that might not be the right thing. 
I hate uh, judge. I hate wanting to judge people being judged all of that. It's like this whole other wrinkle in an already super divided country. Did you see just, that great tweet that like, Oh my God, those three seconds where I accidentally forgot my mask. And what if everybody thinks I'm a Republican? No. <laughs> But it's true, though, right? <laughs> like, I just thought it was hilarious. That's fantastic. <laughs> but I, so on a lighter side, I miss going out to eat, man. Like, mm-hmm. I yes. miss a happy hour. Like, I yes. miss a bar. I mean, and I'm I'm really not joking. Like, I, the idea of getting in my car and driving to a bar and just getting a six dollar beer right like oh my god that just makes me so excited that's that's why he got so excited in the pre-show when you were like you know we we, could be together (laughs) we could be together for episode 200 right because i'm gonna be in maryland like the like that you're i mean that's what that elation was like oh my god get getting together and sharing drinks here's what's gonna happen ogan's gonna move to maryland and for a while he's gonna come to my house to do pub theology pretty much to like be in you know another great idea that'd be awesome (laughs) that's fine it's fine it's totally fine with me so what do you miss the least what do we miss the least about pre-pandemic life commuting (laughs) right I miss the I miss the excuse of being able to say, well, can't because of COVID. <laughs> that you know, that's true. Like, there's or, a did I, did I, does that not fit? Maybe no, no, there's a no. There's a built-in. There's a built-in. No, it's not. What will you miss the least? But what do you miss the least about pre-pandemic life? Well, he didn't have this pre-pandemic life, so I think I get <laughs> with what he's saying. He didn't you know have, what I mean, right? He didn't have the built-in get out of jail free card for anything before pandemic so he's missing uh uh he's wait you're right i think you're right no i'm saying you're not answering the question yeah yeah. i'm probably (laughs) i'm probably saying this to the wrong question but what i what i have enjoyed is saying being able to say sorry we can't because of covid so that is she's right that is what you will miss the most that is what you will miss the most which so let's i'm okay to answer that question what i will miss the most I'm okay to answer that question. It's not on the list, but I'm okay to answer. Okay, it. so in my mind, it was what I what I missed the least is not having that excuse that I have now. It, maybe that right. doesn't even make sense, right? But but before you couldn't just say. say, "Well, there's a pandemic, so of right. course you can't do that." So but maybe it should be what, actually... what do you what will you miss most about pandemic life? I think that's right. I'm answering the wrong. Question. You're answering the wrong, but that's okay. I th- but I think that this has actually helped me. I, so I'm doing this series for Lent, and one of the one of the things that came up in the first conversation was the idea of like, do you know how hard it's going to be to say no to things once we're open back up? Like, because yes. because we're going to have this feeling like I, if we might have to shut down again, and so we're going to say yes to everything, and we're going to exhaust ourselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't miss that. Right. That's what do I like? What do I miss the least? I don't miss my calendar being full and feeling like I had to do everything and having that sense of urgency all the time. Um, like but I don't miss. Can't that. we so just can say, say no for no for no reason? <laughs> yes, and that's what I've actually learned. I've genuinely right. learned that. And can you say like? Can you give yourself permission to say no to things? And could you say to someone else, "I'm gently coming back into normal yes. life"? Right? Like, I'm, okay, I'm okay. not gonna. Okay, but I want to say this. So I want to be really honest about this. When my kids were born, 
there was this excuse that I just had a baby, right? So yes, like, right. I didn't have to get back into shape because I just had a baby. At year three, I had to admit that this was just on me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, so two like, years that Brian it, is still quarantining. Is it, is your kid, talk to me. Isn't your right. kid seven? What do you mean? Right, right, exactly. Like somebody was like, um, no, I just had a baby. Like, I don't think so. <laughs> so, so like three years from now, we can't say we just had a pandemic. Exactly. Which, by the way, is true. And we're going to have to be really careful and really be grace filled with not only ourselves, but other people. Yeah. About and on, on NPR this morning, they were talking about it. it is going to the collective trauma, traumatic experience and the trauma from this is going to be with us for uh, years. Yeah, we, Our, we've been talking my, about that for a while. My kids are going to experience this. Yeah. And I'm comparing it to the depression, right? Like I, and I, that's the way I've had to start to think about it is the way that like my grandmother, who's 95 years old, yeah. hoards food as yeah. just a natural instinctive reaction to being a child in the depression. My kids are going to have that that type of experience. I don't know what. They're going to the, be germaphobes. Maybe. Exactly. Right? Or something. Or or think about my friend Trip and I were talking about this. He's got a five-year-old and for, a you know, a quarter of his life, he has been taught to stay away from people that people like you have yeah. to stay six feet away. Mm -hmm. Like think he's not, he's going to pause before he runs up to another human oh, being. Video, video conversations will be like traumatic, post-traumatic triggers. Like, for a right. Like Zoom's going to be. So I don't, but so here's the, the thing. So last question, what changes do you anticipate bringing with you into post COVID life? I um I am struggling <laughs> very okay. hard. Um I so I had a meeting this morning um that was in our building and it had to do with like some tech stuff in our building. And I spent 3 hours with another person masked distanced in our sanctuary. Yeah. I have I haven't been that exhausted in forever. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like just from being around another human being that is not in my family and not a friend, right? After two hours, you're like, are you still here? I know. I was. I, there was actually this flight feeling, right? Yeah. After about an hour and a half to two hours, I was like, there was this like, you need to get out. You need to get out. Like there was this. And I was like, I think I'm becoming an introvert. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and Welcome I don't know sorry. how to handle this and I'm Welcome really terrified. <laughs> Take lots of breaks. <laughs> so so actually, thank God I had therapy this afternoon and we were talking about this and we were talking about that it's actually going to take some genuine immersion therapy, like collectively, right? Mm -hmm. That we're going to have to start off slow. Like we're not just going to say, okay, we're vaccinated. Let's all come back to work. Like yeah. I'm going to have to go in once a week and then maybe twice a week. Like it's going to take some time. And I under, and I empathize with Ogan's decision. Cause I think even thinking about like in-person church services, it kind of wears me out. Like I feel oh, it totally exhausted wears me out. thinking about it. No, I, I actually have to do it in small chunks. Cause I, I start to panic. Yeah. And, and, to, and to Shannon's point, we gotta, we, you're going to have to work back up to the stamina, mm -hmm. right? Because yes. we didn't, we didn't have to, we didn't have to flex that muscle 
for the last year, really. Right. So forget the protocols for a second, right? right? Forget all the like stuff that has to be done to meet in person. The energy that it takes on a Sunday morning to do a worship service. Mm. The amount of people that I talk to and see and like preach girl preach i mean it 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 i it's so do you know you like the only way i know how to describe it is like we get used to this threshold of stress right Mm -hmm. and we function so i don't know about you guys i function regularly at a six and seven of stress level like that is my i'm a regular six seven like something happens and i'm at an eight nine like i'm at a three four like, you know what I mean? Like day-to-day yeah. stress. Yes. And so if you put, I, I can't even imagine. So is how do we, how do we, how do we take that with us out of the pandemic? And I think a lot of that is being really intentional about how many meetings we put in our calendar for the day, how many, how much time we spend with people during the course of the day, how many breaks we put in between our meetings in the course of a day. So I think in some ways, we have to, when we take a look at how we're doing pandemic life right now, take that practice in with us. So for example, I try not to have back-to-back Zoom calls Mm -hmm. without at least some sort of like minimum 15 minute, mostly half an hour break in between, right? Because I've just been staring at the screen for an hour. I need to go wash my face. I need to like, you know, whatever to stretch, get up, whatever. I need to do something right i remember thinking back when we were in in real life i back to back meetings right yeah. back yeah. to back meetings so, so, so to take that with us um, years ago i read this it was actually a really helpful book on how to like work better you know i don't mm-hmm. like it was a time management book which i very much need but like there were two things i took away from it and one was this idea that has been very helpful for me where at the end of the day you write down what you have to do tomorrow and the rest of the week. So you're not making that list at home. Like, so right. you're, you're writing it down. It's on paper. You're done. And the other was however long the meeting is. So if the meeting is an hour, you do half an hour before and a half an hour after to either prepare or debrief. And then you don't do whatever, however long that period of time is. So that was two hours. You don't do anything. You don't do another meeting for two more hours, at least two more hours. So this was like the wisdom. And I was like, (laughs) like, how does anybody get anything done? You know, like, I was like, that's like, that's crazy. And I threw it out the window, but it always like lurked. Right. As I'm driving from one meeting to another and whatever. And I'm like, I haven't had time to debrief this. I haven't had time to breathe. I haven't had time to yeah. check my email in between. And and now I'm like, I want to institute that. So if it's a two hour meeting, I need an hour before and an hour right. after, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. What's, what's been coming up for me the last few days, I'd say a week. And and a lot of this was, uh, was, was you know, triggered, <laughs> triggered by that last episode of WandaVision, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, big grief trigger but what i've also realized is coming up as i'm as i'm as i'm you know getting ready to depart the regular day job is that there are a lot of things that happened over the years that i didn't really allow myself proper time to emotionally process because 
of that of that schedule yes. on to the next thing. So something happened and you have to go in an automatic, put out the fire mode, get the next thing in place. My music director just quit. We got service in three days. What's going to happen? What's the plan moving forward? So you go into this, you know, yes, you, you know, there might've been time to reflect back, but not properly do the process. And because then there's always another thing that comes up. So what I'm experiencing now is all of that, like, the unresolved feelings around all of those things are beginning to come up because I'm hitting that point where there's not a next thing I need to put out. There's not mm-hmm. a next thing I need to worry about Yeah, sort of deal. And, and it truly makes me wonder. And I was talking to some, uh, at a, on a clergy call today was, I was telling them, I knew I was getting, I was getting burnt out. Right. And, and a lot of it was like, just I think it's just hang on one more year for the sabbatical, right? This right. Mm-hmm. 2020, just hang on for one more year. Um, and I, I remember a few years back, I had, I had asked instead of, you know, my contract is like, you work seven years, you get a six month sabbatical. And I was like, can we change that? Every four years, I get three months. Three months, instead, yeah. Right, yeah. And, and space it out. And there's a piece of me that really wonders if that had been put in place, would I be so willing, ready to walk away? I'd have yeah. gotten a nice big chunk of break to take a breath, to, to assimilate, or, or rather to really spend the time processing some of that stuff that came up the years before, mm-hmm. kind of start a little bit fresher um, and, and jump back into something else. And then also knowing then, you know, with the, with the added exhaustion of what we just went through in the pandemic and what's coming up for some of you guys for reopening, that not far down the road is another big break coming as well. And so, here, so I think we got to put in those. Yeah. And I think that's what the pandemic forced on a lot of us. It forced us to really stop a lot of that busyness and mm-hmm. stop a lot of that grind and forced us to, to slow down. And, and so I need to name another thing I miss very much, which is traveling, which I, Yes. Love to travel. I mean, and, and I, my dad very much instilled in, in us this sense of adventure and release and like play hard kind of thing, you know, and, and that doesn't mean like you go, you know, yeah, it means hiking and stuff, but it also means sitting on a beach for a week and drinking too much. Like, that's okay. You know, like it's, it's all right. All of it's good, but go have new experiences, get out of your place and that, that for me has been very, very hard um, in all of this. And we've, we actually just made our first, um, f- we just made our first like plan um, for a vacation and it's very, very safely done, right? But, um, and, it, and it's a place we know really well. So that helps me think through like, mm. it, it, you know, how to, there's an escape plan, you know what I mean? Like, um, <laughs> Cause I need that right now. For when the zombies strike. <laughs> for, for when COVID appears again, suddenly in the middle of our vacation, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it's at the beach and it's, we have our own condo with our own kitchen. So, and we're literally on oh, the beach. Yeah. So literally it's like, we yeah. could stay in that space the whole time and it's fine. And we'd still have a relaxing time. But anyway, that's one of the things I miss most. And, and as I think about one of the things that I'm struggling with right now is just when it's gonna be safe again for me to travel, it's gonna be time to go back to church and my schedule. And so I had this year of freedom from that schedule. And then I'm gonna be like, and where I'm feeling very contained by this 
pandemic and I'm feeling very, I, I don't want to say the word caged, but like you've had the time, but you couldn't use it to travel. But I couldn't use it. And like, now the think time's of, about Think of how to... much traveling you could do with pre-recording. Exactly. And like, or by the way, this has made me like, so this is what it's like to have weekends. Like, yes. you know, this is what it's like to work Monday through Friday and have weekends. You're darn right. And it is life-changing. And I am terrified. <laughs> I'm genuinely terrified of how I'm going to feel going back. Yeah. and shifting that and like anyway all of that can, so, can you just create hologram shannon that's the new sort of can i just record it and they just throw it like isn't that fine like anyway whatever i just I, so i i've been struggling this year i try not to uh, the reason why i thought of that ogan is because one of the things that i've tried to do post my sabbatical is mm -hmm. take a chunk of time off every year like yep. at least three weeks, three or four weeks, yeah. so that I'm actually building in my own mini sabbatical yep. each year, because I a week isn't enough. You know that, no. right? Like yeah. it's Week's it's nothing. not enough to really turn off and rest. Mm -mm. And and the problem is, it's not only is it's going to be time to come back, but I'm going to have all this vacation built up for the year yeah. because I'm not using it right now, because I can't travel yet, and I want to travel. And they're going to be like, where are you? And why but they need you, but they need me. Right. That's when they want it. Like, I'm just, I'm really struggling. I'm really, yeah, really struggling I, with I all of that. And I think, I think that needs to be named, yep. but I also well, it, said to them, but y'all are going to leave too. So it's fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> just take a Y'all are going to go, let's just all take a month Seriously. where we could be together, but let's all just go travel and yes. then we'll come back. Let's just agree. Seriously. Let's Seriously. just agree. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, we, we not only need to name it, but, but start preparing the people for this is how I'm going to do it differently post-pandemic. Yeah. You know, just tell them up front, let them have their own reaction, reactions, let them have their own feelings. Let them grumble and complain. And, and let them ask questions. You exactly. Know? And then a few months in when they realize, oh, wait, this this is actually still good. Yeah. And 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 Shannon's actually in a better place and being a better minister because of it. You know, it's gonna, it's gonna take a while, just like it took, just like it took us, you know, we're it's a year, right? It took mm -hmm. us what a good three, four months to really get that we are gonna be in this for a chunk of time, right? Yeah. We were like in denial for the first two, three months. I was gonna say, we talk about it like it's a little, like we're a little bit relaxed at this point where my stress level's down. I mean, my stress level was at like a 37 when this began, <laughs> you know, for months and months and months right. and months. Yeah. And now now I'm finally like, oh, this is new normal. And, yeah. and it's gonna be, I think, that's part of it is there's going to be six months where we are headed back up to that. Yeah. I don't know how to do this. I'm, I'm learning how to walk again. I mean, I oh, think absolutely. That's but the good thing is like, because of this podcast, we were pros at zoom long before the pandemic. <laughs> I mean, only because of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, and maybe other reasons, you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people I are do, like, though. Oh, what's no, wrong? listen, I already had an account. I already like I, there was so much that I already had. You we, were, know. we were ahead of the curve. We were good to go. So some mm. say that studying the historical roots, context and composition of the Bible, a la modern biblical scholarship. I love how we even got the like accent over yeah, a la. A, that was very impressive. I know. I always a have really a really good or a really good copy paste job. Exactly. <laughs> 
So um, looking into the historical roots, context, and composition of the Bible can lead to the uh, diminishment of one's faith. So people talk about this in seminary. This is not an experience I have. Right. Isn't that what, like, often people will warn you, oh, you know, like, before you go to seminary, you know, be careful because you, you know, this could, like, lead to the the depth think, of your faith. I think it what it leads, what it can lead to is the deconstruction of your faith, yeah. which is important. Like it is important. Yes. You should be doing that a good few times in your lifetime. Yes. Um, and 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 that modern biblical scholarship was actually what led me eventually, after precipitating a crisis of faith, into ministry, right? Because you you, you, yeah. you break down all of these beliefs you took for granted. You deconstruct them, and then you find out where you stand in the midst of it all. You you own your faith. Your faith doesn't own you. I think right. that's that's what happens. So I always say, people, if if you've not gone through at least one or two good crises of faith in your lifetime, you're not doing this right. So for you, Ogan, you you experienced some of uh, some tension around beliefs you'd been uh, taught at some point on your faith journey, and then you weren't sure you believed them anymore or understood them differently. And that actually helped inspire you to go into ministry. Did I so that right? I had, I had two major crises of faith. The first one in, uh, in undergrad, I'm a music therapy undergrad <clears throat> at a Methodist college. And you had to take all, you know, all these various electives. And one of them was called the life of Jesus and me being a good old evangelical ish Christian boys. Like, like I'm going to take this class. I'm going to take life of Jesus. Cause I love me some Jesus. Right. <laughs> and it was a class that's basically modern biblical scholarship. And for right. the first time in my life at, at nine, at 20 years old or 21, yeah. however old it was, I am learning about the history of the Bible and his Christianity. And it just broke everything. <laughs> yeah. You're like, damn. <laughs> exactly. Right. So that led to crisis of faith that led to me stepping away from the church for a while. A um, couple years later, I meet Jennifer who introduces me to unity, which right. I think is some weird Christian cult. Right. And, <laughs> and, but then as I'm listening to how their theology and stuff, don't be giving me. This <laughs> Listen, we all are just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. We're all weird Christian cults. We're Anyways, like... <laughs> but, but their, their, what I, what I realized was that, you know, their theology, their way of interpreting the Bible and so on, was was a good like middle ground between what I left, right? And yeah. and, and, and and the fact that going. I didn't I didn't want to be faithless. Uh so right, right. Right. Because even though I didn't like I even though everything was upended and stuff was deconstructed, I didn't want to be faithless. So so that was a good middle ground. I drank enough of the Kool-Aid that I want to become a unity minister. And then I go to seminary and then in seminary, this happens all over again mm -hmm. with unity's teachings. Right. <laughs> so like, then Perfect. I have another like, crisis. But I knew what I believed. <laughs> right. But then that was the point where I said for the first time, I really began to, to own my faith and not mm -hmm. like, not just feel like I'm just being strung along and brainwashed by any belief system. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So that's why I think it's important to go through that because if you're just believing it and not being absolutely hundred percent clear about why you believe and that it resonates with who you are authentically, then you're not, you're in the wrong place. You've got to be in that place. Otherwise it's always going to be an inauthentic struggle. So let's say someone's identity is really tied to a certain theological tradition, understanding, doctrine, whatever, 
and they feel like I can't learn this stuff or read any of this biblical scholarship because I'm afraid it will undo things that are core to my identity. Like, what would you, would you just say, yeah, maybe you do, maybe that's fine. You know, maybe you're where you need to be, or would you encourage them to push through and, and come to that newer place wh- wherever that is? I'd, I'd say, well, if, if you are this afraid of losing your identity, maybe you should lose your identity, right? The, on, the, on, the only way out is through. So part of it is, is, is again, your identity is being owned by your belief, not the other way around. And, if you're this afraid. And, there and, there, is, and to, be, to be clear, there were people like back in undergrad who were in that same class as me, who were just as evangelical as I was, heard all that stuff and it didn't make a dent in one era or like, the other. Like yeah, it didn't phase them at all. Yeah. <laughs> right? So I think that was because I was in a, I was unconsciously in already a place of willing to be broken open in that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. I, I think you know, faith, doubt is, is, it's not the opposite you of faith. You can't have faith without a doubt, without doubt in your life. And if there isn't room for that, right. Cause then that's knowing that's not, that's no longer faith. That is like certainty, certainty, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so there are elements of faith of which I am certain, you know, and then there's, there's a lot. And, and I think in this, I, I to be honest, um, I know so many people who had the experience and it's not that I didn't have, I, I don't know that I would ever describe mine as crisis of faith, but it was more a, of an affirming, it was almost a confirmation for me of like, you knew there was more than this, right? Like, and it's, it's because everything that I grew up as in evangelical land, you know, like it's some fun park, you know, it's a, it's a scary, like nightmare. You hey, know, fun hey park. you must if be this ever, tall to ride this doctor. Exactly. Listen, if you ever go to Orlando, you got to visit the the Bible experience. Or the I really Bible don't. Experience. No, you have to. <laughs> Seriously. I, please do. So, it, will, it will change your life. But there's, but there's this element for me where there was always this undercurrent of like, really? Like there, even when I was spouting it and believing it and like raising my hand to it, there was, there was something in me that was speaking other. Hmm. And, and so for me learning the, the context of, you know, how the Bible was put together and that there are these other books out there and, you know, and reading those other books and the Jesus scholars you know, stuff and, you know, all that. It it just, it's not that I say this is, there's no one way that there is for me. Like, it's not like this group is right. And, you know, it it just take it all in and figure it, you know, just let it be in there, you know, and that's what faith is, right? None of us, like we're dealing with stuff that's really old and none of us has direct access to the original events. So well, There's and that's a little like, bit of we're all walking in the darkness, you know. And, and, and we ha- talk about this all the time with people taking modern issues and quoting Bible texts to them. And, <laughs> and we're going, that's not the way it, it works. Translate. It, it doesn't translate. That's not what they're talking about. Even 
let's just take something that still exists. Even marriage and divorce in the Bible mm-hmm. is not the way marriage and divorce works today. It's not no. a one-to-one parallel. No, not, and, even, and not even close. Exactly. And I've, I've even stood up and preached Jesus on the teachings of divorce and said, if you read this as it is, man, that is hurtful, Jesus. That is hurtful. But yeah. that's not what it means, right? In this moment, Jesus is trying to protect women, right? And he like, this is what's going on society. And this is what's happening. And this is why he's speaking against it and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah, and, exactly. And- you have to, like, if you don't bring in the, the cultural realities uh, in the moment in which those things are written, like you, you abuse them. And that doesn't mean it doesn't speak to today as well, right? Like, right. That's, that's the paradox there. Some experiences and, are universal. And Brian, you mentioned we're all walking in the darkness. I, I would amend that to say we're all walking in the mystery. And, and there, has to, there yeah. has to be some mystery involved in this because that's where the, that's, that's where the bits of the unknown are because we don't want to get into the certainty. And that's what bothers me about uncertainty. Like people yeah. that are not faithful, they're certain. That's yeah. what bothers me about that stance is that you leave no room for mystery, right? You leave exactly. no room for exploration. You have all the answers. And part of me exactly. says, good for you, but like we can't, we're not even speaking the same language. Like, <laughs> exactly. We're not yeah, even I'm, I'm, I am more, I am more terrified of people who are certain than people who are doubtful. <laughs> oh, exa- I would, I would much rather talk to a person who does not even recognize faith or God or any of it than somebody who is absolutely certain about everything. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I have nothing to talk to you about. Like, we're not going to. So for yeah. me, my, my, uh, deconstruction experience happened after seminary while I'm pastoring a church, which is an interesting oh, time that's, to, that's never a good time, <laughs> which is an interesting time to have everything turned upside down. Right. And it's like, I don't know what I believe anymore, but Sunday's coming. <laughs> you know what? And I, I admit that like, I knew that I was no longer being authentic when I preached a sermon because it worked and not because I believed it. Yeah. And yes. I was like, I need, I need to reevaluate here. Yeah. You know, yeah. that worked, but I didn't believe it. Oh, well, I did want- to be, to be clear, there are some Sundays when there's a lot going on and you just need to get through the morning. That's yeah. not the same thing. <laughs> I, I, and I understand that, but it was just this pivotal moment where somebody afterwards was like, actually, I really kind of find that thing that you just shat all over really helpful. And I was like, you know, I kind of do too. Like, and it, and it was just one of those moments where I was like, Hmm, I just did it. Cause it worked. Like I just did it yeah. to get through, but that's have, where you have to stop and go, what's bringing me to that point that I'm saying something I don't believe because right. it's easy. So yeah. I need to evaluate what's going on here and where I am. I, I had one time where I was preaching on a parable and there was sort of this traditional reading of it that I'd been taught. And I think most people understand you know, just read the parable as, and I preached it that way, even though I didn't believe that was the correct reading. And then I came back the next week and said, here's why what I preached last week was wrong, was was wrong, Mm. but I let myself do it without giving away that, that like, that was a hard thing to do because I didn't give any hints that, and I don't know if that was even correct because you can't assume all the same people will come back. Right. Exactly. And they're like, what, what happened? <laughs> so, not, I'm not sure so, if that's recommended, but, but there it is. no, I I think I I think there's great value in I think there's great value in what you did because because basically you're saying to folks, 
here is my journey. And sometimes mm-hmm. I'm not going to realize I'm just yeah. saying stuff that, that, um, I have 100% stood up and said, I used to believe this. Yeah. And oh, I have absolutely. even preached that from this pulpit. For sure. And yes. now here's what I understand that right. I didn't understand before. Because this is a this is both an evolution and an involution. This is mm-hmm. both yeah. like bits of the mystery being revealed. And when you see bits of the mystery, you look past it and read, oh, there's more mystery. Right. So it's like this is always an ongoing journey. And I think it's 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 the responsibility of us as clergy to demonstrate that so that people know when it's happening in their lives, that's the way it's supposed to. And they're not freaking out. And if your faith leaders can't do that for you, like you need, uh, and and I'm faith leaders. Well, I'm not a person to tell you where to go to church or what to do, but if, if that natural, I don't know the answers or I have questions about that too, or you know what? I used to think this, but my world has changed and opened up. And now I, I think this, and I believe this, you know, there was this inside the actor studio with Alec Baldwin years ago. And it really bothered me because Alec Baldwin's an atheist who goes to Catholic mass regularly. And he does it. And this is what he said, because he really, he really uh, enjoys watching professional thinkers And I had this huge offense. Like I was so offended by that, that like preachers are professional thinkers. He's not wrong. (laughs) And then I was like, he's not wrong. Like it's, it's actually my job to think about faith, right? right? It's actually my job to dissect the Bible and the history and the society and the whatever, and then put it back together in a context we understand. That is legit my job. That's right. And that's hard work. It's it hard is. work. This so this Sunday coming up, and like you know, I'm acknowledging, like I think many of us are, if we didn't this past Sunday, that it's been a year, right? Mm-hmm. To your point, Shannon, for for yeah. many churches, this past Sunday was the last life service we did a year ago. This next Sunday will be the first Sunday, like for a lot of like us. it's the one year anniversary. We've had fifty two videos exactly, right? <laughs> yeah, so, and and one year, like like these year markers are big are big triggers yeah. for a lot of things. So so between between the grief inspired by 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 one division and this coming up, and and I'm doing the, my Lent series is like you know, like Jesus's finest moments you know, sort of the, mm-hmm. to like the big parables and so on. So I'm, I realize. let me talk about Lazarus because, uh, you know, I might be late to the party on this, but like, it just dawned upon me. Did Jesus raise Lazarus because he's trying he to was sad. prove that he's the son of God, or he didn't, he had unresolved grief. Like he didn't know how to handle the death of his good friend. Like the one time in the gospels we hear about him so bereft that he's crying and he decides, you know what? Screw this. I'm not going to deal with these feelings and emotions. I'm just going to raise the sucker from the dead. <laughs> so I don't have to deal with it. I mean, it. listen, so here's the thing. We don't know, right? right? But we it's not know. It's not an unreasonable thought. No. It's just not. It's, if we could raise somebody from the dead, who of us wouldn't? And, and, and look at the way he responds to Martha of like, I'm just going to sit in the sadness with you because I'm super sad. Right. Like, it's just, yeah. anyway. It's what so, it is. So, so to that point, like how many, how many of us, and we were, you know, back to what we were talking about earlier, how many of us a year later still haven't begun to take the time to process the fact that our lives were irrevocably changed a year ago 
Right. Can, can we even still do that while we're in it? Or do we have to wait to be out of it? And then my fear for a lot of us, and even a little bit for myself, is then we get so happy to you said, Shannon, in the reopening and getting back into everything that we don't do it. And then, then it hits us later. Hits us later. And, and and I'm going to, and, and I don't, I don't ever do this, but I, I really do want to plug for a second, my Lenten series that we're doing, um, mm-hmm. which is, it's just go like our website, ashlandpc.org. And it's right there. It's living one day at a time. And we're using the 12 steps of the 12 step program to talk about there is a way that we lived before that we know we don't want to go back to. And we're using the discernment tool. And I'm talking to different people that are much more expert than in this than I am of how to build a better life post pandemic. So if you are actually looking for a tool on how to do this, like that, it's a good one. I really, and it's not just like, this isn't just because I put it together. But like it's five blow your, convers- own, blow your own trumpet. It's all well, good. No, but seriously, it's five conversations with some really smart people who are asking these questions. And it's it's just we have to do the work, right? At some point, right? Like I have to take responsibility and do the work. So Absolutely. last question. <laughs> so yesterday we're recording on Tuesday. Yesterday was International Women's Day. And this is um, International Women, or this is National Women's History Month. Yeah. Um, so, what challenges do women? I, I'm I'm so excited to hear your answers. What challenges do women face entering the ministry that men do not? I've already decided I'm going to keep my mouth shut. No, you probably know with Jennifer because you probably had parallel experience, you know, experiences that way. So here's the quote. Yet as women pursue theological education, their communities sometimes become quite ambivalent about and less affirming of the new woman that is emerging. The gulf between the church and academy widens, doors close and women's gifts are overlooked within their own churches. So that is from uh, Cregan and Pohl in their book, Living on the Boundaries. So so the the things I witnessed were the same things that women in politics experience, women in business experience, the double standard specifically around appearance, Mm -hmm. the double standard specifically around parenting Mm -hmm. um, and and those traditional, you know, quote unquote, women's roles that um, that men don't have to answer for or nearly not as much as as women do. Um, There's the there's the uh, when women in charge and men are, are subordinate, like, you know, taking commands from a woman, taking direction from a woman and, and how that ruffles their feathers because they aren't even aware of the unconscious, you know, whether it's that energy of patriarchy or sexism that they didn't even know that they had, especially if they're older men, you know, who came from a quote unquote different time, um, you know, so, so there was, so, so that was a lot of stuff that I witnessed her going through. Now we also are in a denomination that from the get-go was accepting right. and ordaining women and also minorities, even though side note, they still culturally held up a lot of like, right. <laughs> like racist practices at Unity Village, but that's a whole other show. But, you know, so, so, so there wasn't, there wasn't that like, stigma and seminary unity has always had more um ordained women clergy than male clergy um if anything me black and young well i was the unicorn not the other other mm. way around but 
but to this day, yes, it's still there's there's still those challenges, and it's stupid that they still exist. It's interesting. I was actually told by the middle-aged women in our seminary class, the younger women were told, we don't know how you're going to do this. Like by them, right? Like women do this to women. It's not just men doing it to women. Mm. But Brian, do you have any comments before I just go off? <laughs> well, I feel like we should give you the chance no, I to mean, go off first. I mean, he tried and she's given us a chance. Let's let's I, take it while well, we have I mean, it. <laughs> What challenges do women face in entering the ministry that men do not? Uh, to me, in my experience, coming from a denomination that only in the like mid to late 80s, um, mm -hmm. maybe even early 90s was was allowing women into ordination. And even now in the ordination I was raised in, churches can choose to not hire women or even let Seriously? women serve, even okay. not let women serve as elders or deacons. Like you can't we do can't that. do that, but you can choose not to have a woman pastor. So, um, hold on. So you, they, can so actually... they face all kinds of challenges in my, Wait. like every, everything Time is out. a block Whoa. on the way. Stop. I feel like, I feel like Oprah in the Megan, I feel like <laughs> right. Oprah in the Megan interview. Like, wait, what? Oh so, my God. So, I ate that up by the way. <laughs> post show, post show discussion. Post show. <laughs> so, so are you saying that, so, so you, so a church can decide we don't want to hire this pastor because she is a woman and that's okay. They won't yep. ever oh, say it though. They no, won't they will say, say it. it. They will say we, we are a non uh, women affirming in women in ministry wow. church and that, our denomination so that everyone doesn't leave has decided churches can choose that it's taboo so i'm not i mean my former denomination let me be very clear oh the not the ucc we're not no, talking no, about not UCC. The UCC. okay that's why okay. i got all confused that's where i got confused i was like wait what i, I was I, like, I misspoke it's hard to not identify with it even when you're you talking about it. the reformed christian church. the christian reformed church in christian north america church. all right yeah yeah we're good then i was okay. i was really I'm like you're blowing everything that i understand about the ucc <laughs> exactly. no no no, no. Like, <laughs> that is not the case in the ucc okay, okay. Sorry, yeah and so we are we are more in the so a church can choose for whatever reason right to not it's not a good fit like it's you know, it's sexism and racism. The isms are this way. They can choose not to yeah. hire somebody who's gay or, you know, part of the LGBTQ community because it's not a good fit. But we all know the real reason, right? right? And so uh, 2012, I'm my church's first female pastor. Like in 2012. And, and remind us how long your church has been around. A hundred and so at that time it was 134 year history. Wow. Yes. And we started ordaining women in the seventies. So now women. Do they have elders, photos of all the previous they have pastors? There is a wall of men. There is yes. a wall of men like, in our church. It's like the vice president picture, it is. right? <laughs> it is. It is. There is a wall of men at our church and they are always like, they keep wanting to put my picture on it. And I'm like, but I'm not a former pastor. And you yet. walk in and like the glass explodes on the frames as Shannon. I, it like, just, points. and by the way, I'm also the youngest pastor they ever hired. I was 31. Oh, yeah. And the number of things like they took a huge left turn and I used the left in a way they took a huge left turn when they hired me and they have not looked back. They are like if they are happy as for them. So it is, it is very good for them. Um, but when I was hired, the conversation was, we're going to pay you the minimum because your husband will get a job. 
Wait, what? Oh boy. Your don't worry, your husband will get a job. Wait, at the church or just period? No, just period. He's just a man. Period. He'll, oh, he'll, I, oh, no, we're, I see. we're gotcha. gonna pay you the minimum because your husband will get a job. Ah, Whatever you get paid wow. is a bonus. Yes. Wow. My wow. income is secondary. <laughs> By the way, in my first marriage, actually in both my marriages, uh, my income is the primary income. Like yeah. that's the way it is. And that's just whatever for, for various reasons. And my second marriage, there's a whole lot of other reasons for that too. But like so, in my but first marriage, has that, that just... shifted now where, where you were like, no, look, it doesn't matter my gender. I'm doing this job. Whatever you would pay anyone is what you they understand pay. that now. Now they do. They, they did not fully, they wanted it. They wanted to be there, but they just, there are, Again, it's those subtleties. It's, There's 134 years of not. A There's 134 man. years of this. Of, culture, man. Culture is a, a culture is a big boat to turn. It is, and I don't. I don't just mean that. Like I, you know, my class. Okay, so I talked about this in seminary, and I lo- I loved my seminary. I'm not dogging on my seminary. My class coming entering in, we were the first class that was majority female. And by that, I mean, there was literally one more female than there were male students. Mm-hmm. The, and that student was you. It was, wasn't it? It had to be. So <laughs> the next, the admissions director, she actually quit over it. The admissions director was told to go out and recruit men because we can't have wow. this. Wow. <laughs> Stop. And she quit oh, because of it. And you know what? They did. And that next class was back up to 6040. Holy crap. Yep. As nature and God. So intended. it's these things, right? right? So it doesn't just go to the churches. It starts in the seminaries where they're going, this is our view of a pastor. And this is yeah. our view of what we create. Like we create pastors. So that's what. So it starts with admissions into seminary, you know, and all the way through. Yeah, great point. It starts with the churches. My church has to affirm my church and my presbytery, my group of churches has to affirm me and say, yes, you will be a good pastor. We stamp your approval. Right. And, and so if you're told no, now and- I have it just, anyway, like the, again, we know, we know this story. It's not yeah. a new story. We know. And don't story. you think it, it's way before? I'm sure you would agree. Way before seminary admission, admissions, it's even like as as women grow up and girls grow up in the church, the the way the roles they're allowed to envision for themselves are shaped so, by that environment. And too often, it's well, you could serve in this way. Yeah. But so Jennifer, that's part of that's part of the reason Jennifer left the the Baptist movement, because mm-hmm. growing up, it was like, you know, she figured she's going to be a missionary's wife or a pastor's yeah. wife or something like that was as good as it was getting. That's as good as it gets. Yep. For her. And, and she was very clear that she was meant for more and, and, you yeah. know, to find a de- denomination that would without question ordain her um, where, where she would not be the exception, but the norm was, was huge. Yeah. A conversation was had with me my senior year of seminary. Like, I, I just want to kind of tick off a couple of things because I do think this might actually be a helpful thing. So actually a conversation was had with me my senior year of seminary that it was beneficial that I was a larger woman. Oh, no, no. Because no. I look more like a man. Holy and God. so wow. I'm more likely to be hired. Whoa. Stop. I, 
Listen, it was a serious how conversation. Are you, how are you like, you're a better person than I am. I'd have been out the door at that point. I, you're a better person than I am. What seriously. was interesting to me <laughs> oh, is yeah. that like at, at that time I was feeling for my smaller female pastors, right? With a higher voice, with a like, and I, and, and that, but that was the conversation that because I was wow. bigger, I was more likely to get a church. Somebody actually said that out loud. Mm-hmm. That is unreal. Mm-hmm. To quote Oprah, who's having those conversations? Um, more than one person. Oh yes, God. more than one person. But it was a real conversation. Wow. So I can't even. A couple of things that I decided early on in, in my ministry, I would never bring something to a potluck. Because if I were a male pastor, I would not be expected to bring a dish to a potluck. Mm. Well done. But because I'm a female pastor, I was expected to bring a dish to a potluck. So I never once have brought a dish to a potluck. Well done. Um, If my husband chooses to bring a dish to the potluck, that is his choice. But that is not my dish. That is not my doing. Right. Um, I always wear a suit, which I hate, to my board meeting. Well, let me put it this way. In the first several years of being at this church, I wore a suit to my board meetings. Because I was in like, right, I'm moderating this meeting, I'm in charge. And because when a woman says something hard, well, when a man says something hard, you're, you're, you're telling you what you need to hear. You're seen as the authority. You're seen as the authority, you're authoritarian. When a woman does it, it's seen very differently. It's complaining. It's, it's, it's mommy, you're nagging. Yeah. You're nagging. And so if you're in, if you're, as manned up as you can be like in a literal gray or black suit, there's at least a mental shift that you have authority, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, I mean, just little things that, I mean, and I hated it. I hated it because it wasn't me. And I was trying to very much be this authentic person, which I can be now. But if I move to another church, I have to start back over again. I can't, I can't just jump in where I am. So instead of, I don't believe this sermon, it was, I don't believe this outfit. The number of comments on my hair, on my, I get more comments on my hair and my clothes than I do my sermons. Hands down. Oh, I believe Hands you. down. Oh, and like, I, I believe you, Jennifer went through the same thing. And oh. it's not because I don't give good sermons. Like it's yeah, not it at all. It's the double standard. It's people, you know, there, we had this whole thing. We still do it of like men shedding their robes and like, that's too blah, 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 blah. And I like, Mm-mm, baby, you are not getting rid of this thing. Cause if not, all I'm hearing about is what I'm wearing. Like, that's all I'm hearing about. So I'm wearing this robe till the robe day. Robe it up. Yeah. Do yeah. It. Cover it up. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I meant. It's not. <laughs> Cover it all up. I want a turtleneck robe. That's what I want. I was identifying with the the freedom of a clergy outfit that that is just standard, and it's the conversation is not that. And and this is why a lot of women do wear collars, and for various reasons, right? It shows their authority. It's modest in the ways that need to be mm-hmm. need to be modest. It's you know it 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 puts. The other thing is when I do wear a collar in, I do it on Ash Wednesday, usually I like, there are holy days where I do it for me. Um, and, but I do like the way uh, I'm, I'm presenting to the world. There is another picture than what you have in your mind. Like, now, I do appreciate your, that. To your knowledge, 
um, at the denominational denominational level, is it getting better? So I know at your church, you've established yourself. People yeah. know you, like, there's no question. But I mean, in like, you know, you mentioned your seminary at, at, at that broader level. Is it is it getting better? The issue, as as you know? the issue is it is because we're getting desperate, not because we did the work. Oh, okay. So okay. it is still true that female pastors get smaller and more rural churches that are lower paying. That is mm. still very much true. Um, it is getting better. Like, so younger female pastors are taking more executive level senior pastors mm -hmm. positions. That is true. But I, I, overall, I see us as um, not actually having done the work around that, right. but doing it because the, the pool is getting smaller. And, and this is, we ain't got time for this, the whole other, this is a discussion for a whole other episode, but but the Bible ain't helping either. The Bible you, you is know. not helping either. Right. So and and this that. is actually the problem, right? We yeah. haven't done the work to dissect the scripture. We've just ignored it, right? Yep. Us progressive churches and liberal church, we just ignore that part. And what we haven't done is we haven't learned how to respond to the people that have weaponized yeah. those verses. That's right. And, yeah. and so that's the work we still haven't done. We just la 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 ignore it, and we don't know how to talk to each other. Then, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I when when I was in Barbados a couple of years ago for their Pride Festival, and I and I was on that that like in, insane super Christian radio show, you know, and 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 they're just throwing all these like like verses LGBTQ yeah. Bible verses at me, and sitting on the 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 six of them against one of me panel is a woman. And I'm like, you know, I'm sorry. Yep. What about the verses in the Bible that says that you shouldn't be in this role, this room, this conversation, right? Kind of, kind of deal. And and there's just the convenient ignoring mm -hmm. of that, the rationalization of this was Paul speaking to the churches at the time, and it isn't relevant now. I'm like, well, then isn't the same thing for right. re referring to homosexuality? Like, how how do we make this, you know, this this like just ability to ignore but but right. you're right it's 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 what happens and yeah. and i think that's where the deconstruction happens and and as and as much as i am glad i'm not glad about what's happening like the methodist church right now like the, like they are like on the brink if they're unofficially split let's just put it that yes. way no they are they are right right yeah. so 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 that and actually covid has prevented their split right like they right. can't have a vote because they're because of covid and that's they what i'm saying that's what i'm saying is unofficial yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's happened it's um, so interesting yeah be, because some have chosen to do the deconstruction and say this does not work for us anymore and then there are others who are just like we're just, we're just going to keep on doing the thing because we think that's what it says so so i think i think that's a good thing i think that's how we evolve that's how we grow i think that's how we bring that more inclusive love into the world and by saying these these scriptures again um uh flawed in many ways you know there's they're both flawed and and still laden with divine wisdom yeah. because because we got the humans as the channel right <laughs> and it's been an, and and we need to wrap up but i so let me let me end with this beth moore announced today that she's leaving lifeway because she's no longer Southern Baptist. And I had very mixed feelings about that, right? She is not someone whose teachings I 
would recommend to people. And yet she is a female leader of the church in to a group of people that very much need to that see need a female her. leader that yeah. need her. Yeah. And so I actually was very like happy about that and was like good for her and all of that, even though we're very far apart on mm-hmm. so many theological issues, there is a, there is a, we need each other. Right. Yeah. And she's she inching, needs me and, and I need bringing her. others who are inching. Exactly. It, exactly. So that's my final word. Yeah. <laughs> and you shall have it. <laughs> well, there it is. Thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. And you can show your love for the show by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Get access to extended interviews with special guests. Listen to pre and post show banter. And if you listen to this show, then you know how fun that must be. Visit patreon.com slash PT live to get started. And a big thank you to our current patrons. You can listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google podcasts. And you can watch us live on Facebook Tuesdays around 445 Eastern. Just check out our Facebook page. And you can find or create a pup theology group in your neighborhood. And you can find the help to do that at puptheology.com. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Speaking of speaking of speaking of women and bringing the power, like that interview Monday Sunday night. Oh my god, that interview! Did you watch it, it, Brian? I missed it. We signed up for Paramount Plus so that we could watch it, and it's not on there. It was just on CBS. It's just on CBS.com. Regular CBS. It's just on CBS.com. Like just. I don't think, but Paramount Plus is the new CBS streaming service. Why isn't it on there? I don't know. Okay, good to know. I'll go to CBS.com. Yeah, just go to CBS. We were looking for it last night. We're like, where the hell? That's how I watched it. Uh, I watched it Monday morning. And I, first off, how anybody can look at this couple and hear this story and blame them is beyond me. And and here's part of it. All of us work for systems and institutions that are that have been corrupt or still are or whatever. And I'm hearing this story and I'm watching it like as a systems person going, what a freaking mess. Yeah.